Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. Well, welcome back to the COVID-46, the 46th podcast we've done on COVID. Um, You know, I just came from New York, and I was in uh, upstate New York, and I was with one of my friends, and COVID is exploding there. Well, so prior to you being gone, I was gone. I was in I was in Maui, and I was there when they got their first Omicron patient. Wow. And my friend who lives in Maui actually texted yesterday, so I've only been home like a week. And even in Hawaii, they went from 400 in one day of Omicron patients to 800 in the next day. Yeah, it's interesting because they, the stuff that I read, uh, first off, New York actually had 10% of all of the U.S. cases wow. of COVID. And I was doing everything I could to get out of there <laughs> and get through the airport with my mask on, and I was covered with cellophane. No, I wrapped myself in saran wrap. Anyway, but so... It was amazing, yeah. But it was bad there. So COVID is uh, it's coming back. And actually, uh, Mike Osterholm will be coming on our COVID Echo coming up in January. Yeah, the first Wednesday in January, so... Another huge one. You just had that article out. You know, in doom and gloom, of course. But you know, I can't. I can't fault him. And I said this on Wednesday during or Thursday during the echo is that he's not been wrong. No, and I think that for those of you who are listening, uh, make sure you don't miss uh, Dr. Osterholm. He is. He has actually his theory is that the Omicron is going to be overwhelming the system, and it's an interesting thought. If if it overwhelms the system and we have a large number of healthcare workers get sick at the same time, how is that going to affect our system? I feel like we asked this question almost two years ago. You know, two years ago there were people that didn't think this was going to be a big thing. But we asked even that exact people, question like, "What's going to happen if overwhelms?" We're going to just stop right there, but. <laughs> Um, if you would like to get more information on joining that, especially, or any of these COVID ones coming up, um, there are a lot coming up. We have him, we have the long COVID people, we have pediatrics coming up. Um, we have testing and microbiology from Mayo Clinic coming up, not in that order, but Mike Ostrom, of course, is the first one in January. Please let us know. And if you happen to know anybody who is a specialist in variants on COVID, please email us at the Addiction Connection Podcast at Gmail because we're going to try to add one more into February. And just remember that uh, go to the MAFP website, Minnesota Academy of Physicians, Academy of Family Physicians. Physician. Uh, go to their website if you want to sign up for the COVID Echoes. We have some amazing speakers coming. Oh my gosh! Yes. Okay. So anyway. We did the first COVID Echo 2.0 a few weeks ago um, when Chris Ayersman from MDH came on, and then I was out of town, so we didn't do last week's, but this, well, two weeks ago. So this week, we actually had Dr. John Cole, who does work at Hennepin Healthcare. He's an ER doctor. He was on way early on um, talking about ER's response, as well as his own personal experience. Yeah, he and his wife were one of the first COVID people, COVID uh, patients yeah, in, and in Minnesota. He updated us and said that he and his wife took forever to get better. And I remember when he was on, he said, you know, he was back to work, but there was nothing extra. And his kids all got it. Everybody in their house, his house got it eventually. And his kids did very well with it. But uh, clearly pre, uh, pre-vaccine 
pre-vaccine, well. pre-variants, pre-anything. This was, again, March, April of 2020. So anyway, I, I had to facilitate this by myself. Kurt was in New York. And this, this was a hard echo for me. Um, and I wish it was recorded so everybody in the universe could watch this emergency room doctor, doctor at this major safety net hospital in the state of Minnesota and trauma center, trauma center, every center where they have the only of all these things talk because I had to talk after him to like entertain and, you know, transition and facilitate. And it was a darn near impossible. So anyway, he gave us all the numbers and I don't have his slides right in front of me, so I'm not going to go to super details, but even in this very large hospital, which can actually hard cap at like 420, but that's including psych beds, NICU beds, OB beds, yada, yada, yada. They're at cap. And he said they have a lot of critically ill people. And the people who are the most critically ill in their hospital are the unvaccinated or the people who, even if they've been vaccinated, are have significant chronic health problems at baseline with immunosuppression at baseline. So People who have solid organ transplants, people who have cancer, people who are immunosuppressed, because immunosuppressed people, even if they're vaccinated, which they all should be, still will have difficulty making antibodies yeah. by definition. So interestingly, and I'm going to probably do a lot of this beginning part because you weren't on and these are my notes, but the younger patients because they have a significant number of young patients in the hospital. Yes, do they do better? Yes. But when they're hospitalized, they actually take longer to get out of the hospital. Mm. It sounds like he talked a little bit about the ED volumes uh, that had really uh, kind of crashed during the stay-at-home time. Yeah, he talked about this back in the spring, and he kind of reiterated it um, just how he, he said they'd be like bored on their ER shifts. Because everyone was at home. Man, being bored in the ER, that's a good thing. Right. But some of it came back in the summer. And he made the comment that 2020 was the most violent time ever in, in Minnesota and in the cities. Uh, but he said the volume back in the ERs is back to pre-pandemic. And this is pretty much universal anywhere, at least at his hospital, if not more than pre-pandemic levels. And 2019 at this hospital particularly was their highest year in history, and it's back to that. Well, and I think that it sounds like the same things are happening in their ER that's happening in ERs all over. It's just, there's a lot of waiting. One thing I found just striking to me is, so to even get to the ER, there's a triage system that they have. Even to be seen by triage, it's almost, at, at times, not every time, I promise you, but at times it's even a two-hour wait to even be seen by a triage. And they've actually added a physician to the triage to try to make triage go faster. There's no carts for people. There's no chairs for people. Um, it's, it's, mm. yeah. And he said 20% of their ICU has COVID. And, you know, two years ago, COVID didn't even exist. So we're way above ICU numbers even from back then in the highest year ever. Yeah. And of course, they haven't really experienced experienced Omicron yet. And Correct. we're all waiting to see what that does. Um, I and, think the violence, I think this, the, from the notes, the talk about what violence is, you know, what, what that whole, I don't know. I mean, it just seems like everything, there's been so much violence in the news and, uh -huh. and they're seeing that there. He kind of made the same, like we always talk about the syndemic of opioids and COVID. Yeah. He kind of made the same thing of a syndemic for 
you know, COVID with this epidemic of violence going on, especially in larger cities across the U.S. And he, he talked about this procedure that I could probably figure out if I had to, but I've never been trained. Emergency department thoracotomies. Sounds like Grey's Anatomy icky stuff. Yeah. He said back in the day, pre-COVID, super rare to have one of these. And he's like, now you're you're doing one every month. Wow. Just because you can't even get admitted. From it's gunshot so wounds. Busy. Gunshot wounds, stab wounds, mm-hmm. like all sorts of violence. So yeah. anyway, this is where he really spent a lot of time that where he got emotional and we all got emotional. It was very touching. So this hospital is the only hospital in the Midwest that has a 24 24/7 hyperbaric chamber as well as the, you know, best burn unit in the Midwest. Um and so they have this whole you know, every hospital has a point where they just like say no to admissions or they're just capped. Mm-hmm. And this hospital since it's like a huge catchment has multiple levels. They're wide open. They will only take core and the the burn and the hyperbaric are like their core. And then they'll say no. And they've actually had in the last two months, they've had to say no to even burn and hyperbaric needs. Wow. And it's it's mm. crazy. And they actually got um, help in from, you know, the National Guard and all the, you know, the federal people that came into our state and they got a 30-day extra doctor and they've actually extended it another 30 days. And he's like, nope, it's going to be all through Omicron. Wow. So. They're, and they tend to keep a lot of people in the ER. Yeah. This was, this was also very interesting. And so he said they've actually had to adapt their ER and they've had to actually put a hospitalist. So hospitalists, you know, the doctors that round on all the people in the hospital, they've actually had to put a hospitalist just in the ER, not to see ER patients, but to round on the patients in the ER that can't get admitted because there's no admission beds. And he's, he made the comment that they're not always able to do that and he said you know i liked my inpatient days back in the day but i don't want to do that anymore and he said there's days where he's rounding like daily rounding in the er and patients that are like admitted but they're stuck in an er like can you imagine an er bed for days no while you can't like breathe they're not comfortable either yeah huh and so (sighs) something different as far as what what they're doing as far as testing in their er Testing is limited. So the rapid tests, they're saving for people who are actually getting admitted. And so they don't do a ton of like treatments out of the ER if you are dischargeable, Mm. um, if they can't get a rapid on you because they're just worried about like overdoing the system with medications. And so it's hard because they can't even get enough tests that turn around fast enough um, he did talk about fluvoxamine, and the second half of this podcast, we'll talk about um, Chris Hagen, the pharmacist who came on to talk about meds. But um, mm. the problem is, is they're seeing a lot of complications from fluvoxamine because it's got super high interactions with other meds. Yeah, and he also works. Dr. Cole also works in the Poison Control Center slash... Yeah, he's a toxicologist. Toxicology mm-hmm. stuff. And he said they're seeing so many interactions with drugs. So now they're having this whole other complication in the ER um, mm. because, because they have all these other new medications that people don't necessarily know what they're doing. And of course, all of this is pre-Omicron. Right. He said Omicron obviously is in Minnesota. It's just not the dominant strain as of five days ago. <laughs> you know, I, I actually read something. said so the doubling... The doubling rate of Omicron is every two days. Yes, I saw that too. Yeah. 
versus uh, like five with the original COVID. It's almost as bad as rats. I I read this thing about rats and it says that two rats can turn into 15,000 rats in just like months. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, so Omicron's like a rat. Okay. So again, vaccination is super important because yes, you can still transmit the virus, but you are not going to get a severe illness. You are not going to, your contagiousness is not as high if you have been vaccinated. He made a comment that it's kind of in the gray zone, so I'm going to skip that. But um, they're actually looking now with vaccinations because Omicron is a change in the spike protein, which is what the mRNA, the, the Pfizer and the Moderna target. Yep. So Pfizer and Moderna are actually out there making, working on making boosters for Omicron. Because it's actually an easy change. But anyway, um, mm. there was a question about ivermectin. They're not really seeing <laughs> that much stuff. You know, it's an animal product. People, they're having a lot of calls in the poison center, poison control about people with ivermectin type toxicity because people are taking the animal product ivermectin thinking that they're like curing their COVID, all those weird things. They're not seeing a lot in the ER because it's really not that quote unquote toxic, but the poison control is getting a lot of calls. Well, you know, when I was in New York, uh, my friend and his wife have horses. And when I walked in, there was ivermectin sitting on the table. And I said, thank God, in case I get uh, COVID, I can just take the ivermectin. (laughs) Just kidding. Or not. Kidding. Don't do that. Yeah, no, not taking it. He said, if someone's going to take something on their own to be crazy, then it's better than taking the H drug. You know, just uh, about the vaccines. One interesting thing that uh, that I saw just today, uh, and I'm trying to remember what state it was. It might have been Oregon. It was out west. But they were looking at people who actually had been fully vaccinated and then got a case of COVID. And they're calling that they end up getting uh, kind of super immunity. It was very interesting. So, and I wish I had his slides and we might have to do an update COVID 46 point two or something when we get his slides he's super busy and i don't even care if we don't get him to be honest with you but he gave graphs that showed the amount of immunity if you got your first dose your second dose what happens after time and why you get the booster and then he showed another graph that shows you know natural immunity with the booster versus not with the booster and actually a doctor uh from the university uh Shacker showed that as well. Very yeah, cool. it, it, it's super cool. Um, but the booster is important. You know, the, the vaccine is important. And okay, so here is where the, the the significant emotion came from. And this is kind of where his plea came from. And I'm not trying to be political here at all. But we did talk about conspiracy things. And he said that this is very challenging for him because, you know, again, Catchment Hospital, you have a small rural clinic or rural hospital, like even in Little Falls where we are, that spends hours and hours trying to find a place for a person needing dialysis. This happened a couple of weeks ago, needing dialysis. Yep. Not even COVID. Five states were called to find a place for dialysis for this patient. And guess what? This patient could not be left, could not be transferred. There was no place for this patient within five states. Wow. 
because they're, they're just inundated. And it's, you know, it's these severe cases of people who weren't vaccinated are taking beds and then, you know, the real illnesses happen. And, you know, Dr. Cole did say there are some surgeries that have been canceled that are elective, but did note that there's patients who have been waiting on a hip replacement, which is it elective, but their quality of life. He said, you know, if you're calling and they can't take your patient. Um, you know, his quote was, we want to say yes every single time. We really do. We just can't. Um, yeah. Anyway. Wow. Sorry, I'm not trying to be all emotional, but if I she, If she starts crying, I'll kind of step <laughs> in. So then we moved over to Chris Hagen, PharmD from Central Care, who based out of Long Prairie, who happens to destroy Kurt every time they run. Terrible and days. we're going to kind of skip through this quickly because it's complicated, but we kind of first started by talking about vaccines, um, you know, the Pfizer vaccine, the Moderna vaccine, the Johnson and Johnson, obviously they're recommending boosters. Um, the Pfizer goes down to age five. Uh, I'm trying to think about where we talked. Oh, that's not coming up until a couple of slides, but basically just kind of talked about the general things that we all know. And it's interesting that they do talk about boosters with Johnson and Johnson is that at the six month point, you can get a Johnson and Johnson Johnson booster, but the data is showing that it it's better to get like a Pfizer booster on top of your Johnson and Johnson or a Moderna booster on top of your Johnson and Johnson. And it, any booster is still better. Oh, yeah, so I was like, just going to say anything is better than nothing. Because you got the Pfizer and then you got the Pfizer booster. Yep. I got Moderna, but I did get my Moderna booster. But if they didn't have it, they were going to give me the Pfizer. Yep. So that is totally okay. Um, they talked about the effectiveness of the vaccine. The Delta variant um, is Moderna is a little bit better at than Pfizer at blocking or preventing um, Delta vi- Delta variant. Mm. Um, both of them are still recommended. Um, definite 21% reduction in infection rates, 41% reduction in hospitalization. So, yes, it is still possible, but very, 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 very rare. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, again, it gets something. I think that's the bottom line. Get a vaccine. Okay. So the one big thing. This What's, pediatrics, myocarditis, all of this. So currently in Minnesota, 20% of eligible children have received at least their first dose. Mm-hmm. My oldest three are all eligible between the ages of 5 and 11, and they have all gotten both doses. My f- youngest turns 5 in like mm, 10 days, and guess what she's getting for her birthday? Oh, happy but, birthday. I know, right? So they did talk about, we had a whole conversation about this with the myocarditis, and this is a thing. All patients 16 and plus after two doses... Basically, they looked at 38 million people um, worldwide. In Pfizer, one in a million got post-Pfizer vaccine. One in a million got myocarditis. Moderna, 16 per million got myocarditis. If you got COVID, 40 per million. So higher chance of getting a myocarditis if you got COVID. Mm. When it comes to the pediatric population, it's still very low. One in a million. And the general population, because I had Chris look this up, is like 60 per million. So you have a higher chance of getting, I mean, it would be technically additive, but in a two-week span of time, it's more likely that you're going to get myocarditis not being vaccinated than it is being vaccinated. There you go. Bottom line. And the boosters. And really quickly, though, myocarditis is much more common in the first two weeks. 
two weeks after the second booster is the highest rate and much higher in males ages 16 to 24. So the boosters are a big thing. That that extra shot, I don't know. You already got yours. I, I got did. mine. And I was ner- I'll be honest, I was one of the nervous people because I got very sick after my first shot. I got moderately sick after my second. So I was like getting nervous about my third, my booster. And it mm. was, honestly, I had less irritation than my flu shot this year so yeah i my third one was not bad no Mm -mm. but yeah the extra shot i mean there's there's all kinds of i mean you can go on the internet and you can pull these different uh graphs but that extra shot makes a big difference in your antibody levels uh and and again i just talked a little bit about people that are fully vaccinated and then also get a mild case of covid they get this super immunity so There'll be more, I think, in the news about that. Correct. Okay, so Omicron, we're going to touch on that a little bit. Of course, at this point, four days ago, Omicron, basically why it's different is it has this spike protein mutation we talked about. Currently, at that time, four days ago, it was 3% of all U.S. cases. This data is now completely old. Um, As of four days ago, you know, the most common symptoms kind of like the influenza, coughing, congestion, fatigue, most common, risk of hospitalization, 29% 29% lower than the Delta on the initial. Mm. And there had not been any deaths related to Omicron at that point. And there will be a, a Pfizer, Moderna, Omicron vaccine bump. They're right. gonna they're coming out with one. And they're still, especially Pfizer's looking at when would you need another booster? Kind of, you know, the way I liken this, and I have zero ability to answer this with any scientific basis is, kind of going to be like a flu shot. You're probably going to need your COVID shot every year to adjust. Or but twice a year. Who, need, who knows? I'll get it. All right. I'm not getting any younger, doc, Dr. Heather. No, you're definitely not. Okay. okay, we're going to touch on some medications. Monoclonal antibodies. We're not going to go through all the different types, to be honest with you. There is this rating category, I don't think. Yep, the M-A-S-S-B-P criteria. Basically, it's a male-developed criteria. A score on this. Um, greater than one, it indicates a five greater than 5% chance of a COVID disease progression. So in order to qualify for monoclonal antibodies, you need to have a score greater than one, which it is easy. Is, it's fairly easy. So the things that, the, the criteria itself, you need to have at least one age greater than, greater than or equal to 65, you get two points. BMI greater than or equal to 35, you get two points. Diabetes, two points. Chronic kidney disease, three points. Cardiovascular disease greater than or equal to 55 years old, two points. Respiratory they, disease greater than or equal to 55, three points. Hypertension, immunocompromised status. If you're pregnant, you get four points. Ooh. And BIPOC, two points. But this makes no sense. Why aren't they all just one point? Because you only need one point to get it. Um, because the reason that they, and I know the answer to this, Ooh. is depending on the facility, you know, like Chris mentioned that, you know, there's all these different products the state decides which facilities get which products based on availability of products. So right now, a lot of it's going to be, especially looking at Omicron, especially looking at, like you mentioned, the hospitalization overwhelming thing. If we have to start triaging, mm. the higher the points, the, the more likely. Uh, so you do want to get a score. You do want a score. Clearly, I don't qualify for any of these. Well, there's some other therapies in the news, Dr. Heather. Okay, ivermectin, we touched on this. (laughs) Poor number of quality clinical trials, no blinded trials, a lot of falsified data, zero benefit reported. Next. Next. 
fluvoxamine. You That's know, an interesting one, really. You know, it, it kind of was a lot of self-reported. Nobody finished the studies. It's not going to hurt anything. It's hard to get it. It's hard to take it three times a day, but it's not going to hurt you, except it has a lot of drug interactions. Mm. So none of the diabetic, he didn't come up with any of the diabetic meds? No, because they're... They don't work. There's, there's no studies. literally no studies. <laughs> and what was the other one? Yeah, I can't remember the other one that people the, have used. The, the liver one or whatever. Yeah, Actos. Actos. Yeah, yep. no. Okay, next, antivirals. This is the big thing in the news, the oral antivirals. Pfizer has a product, that's what I'm going to call it because it's fancy Paxlovid, has a combination of two meds, both Proteus inhibitors. This is the one right now. It looks like it's common in HIV technology. What it does is it blocks the enzymes that, you know, mm. deal with the mRNA, does in phase three trial. So we did go through all the normal, you know, FDA approvals. So it hit phase three trials, decreased death or hospitalization by 89% relative risk. You know, he and I have had this discussion on a morning run and the cost of these is amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And the benefit, cost benefit ratio, I... It's not great. It's not great. Now, you know, I think where these these are going to come in is the people who are unvaccinated with severe disease because the vaccinated people aren't getting as sick. Yeah. So the people who are unvaccinated end up in the hospital. They're going to have a huger bill than everybody else. Yes. Anyway, Merck has a product. It's only a proteus inhibitor, or excuse me, polymerase inhibitor. Makes me a little bit more nervous because it creates errors in the transcription of mRNA. So you should not use it in breastfeeding or pregnancy or but it only offers like a 30 percent risk reduction so really not that great yeah yeah so i think it's uh still need to give within five days of symptom yeah. onset remdesivir still hanging around you know it's still a thing they're using it out of the er at hennepin and actually we were talking about me, this a year ago but Dr. Cole, and there's one other thing with, oh, we're not to steroids, never mind, we'll talk about remdesivir for a minute. Well, steroids had good, good numbers. Yeah, we're not really. there yet. Okay. Okay, multiple studies, remdesivir, reduced hospitalization length to four days instead of five days. 31% decrease. Yeah. 55% in pooled. And how sick they are when they get it really makes a difference. Right, so, but it can cause serious reactions. Yeah, and then, you know, we talked injury. about this a year ago, and it was really about, well, they're not in the hospitals long. Um, but yeah, there's, there's issues with it. There's, but still being used. Right. And there's a lot of, you know, you need to qualify for it with all of these different things. Obviously a positive, you need to have infiltrates and oxygen requirements. Um, well, renal monitor function. renal function, monitor liver function, anything extreme, even if you needed heated high flow or mechanical ventilation, you can't use it. Mm. Steroids. So really quickly before we talk about the orals, um, Dr. Cole mentioned that they use budesonide inhaled quite a bit. Wow. Anytime there's a positive, they send, like, especially if it's a person that goes home, budesonide inhaled. Oh, do we have studies? He had something, I think. I just don't have it in okay. front of me. All right. But dexamethasone still the first line. I'm well, guessing. Still one of the top things. Yep. Um, if they can take oral. And they're talking 10 oral. days still, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that was kind of the thing. 
How about advanced disease, that IL-6 stuff? You know, prior to intubation, consider, you know, if they're needing heated high flow, but you got to watch other infections. You know, if if there's even a concern about sepsis, there's a concern about, you know, bacterial super infection, don't use it. Um, If they're still on remdesivir, you should stop that before you give the IL-6. And you can't give it basically if you have any type of infections, liver issues, white count issues, platelet issues, or a bunch of other stuff. This is like the longest one we've done. We're at 27 minutes. Again, I told you this could have been two different things. Yeah, so anticoag, let's just finish up with that. Anticoagulation. Um, Do it. Based on the D-dimer, it's and you can't even see his thing. It was, what, six times the upper limit of normal. You need to do anticoagulation per the normal anticoagulation guidelines as far as Lovenox, um, all of those things. Same dosing. Lovenox, 40 milligrams, Q24 hours kind of deal. So it's the name dosing you do for any kind of clot, but based on your um, six times the upper limit of normal. Yeah. We had a whole discussion about this, actually, and it was kind of up near. But ultimately, they are still doing that. It is still recommended. So again, the COVID echo will continue for five or six more episodes. We're going to, again, be starting up right after Christmas with Dr. Mike Osterholm. Dr. Mike Osterholm. Isn't that amazing that, like, if we are so Everybody cool. who's anybody is going to be on that because it's going to be so interesting. And again, I think he's... He, his predict- January 5th. January 5th. And he... No, his, I lied. 6th. 6th. January, January 6th, 6th is a Thursday, yeah. And actually, in his little article that I read that was that when I was sitting in the airport in New York... He talked a little bit about this wave really exploding in about two to five weeks. So we're going to have He's going to be on in like two weeks. Two weeks. So we're going to have that discussion. So please be there. Anyway, again, sorry this got so long. Please email us the addiction connection podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions or concerns. Otherwise, we'll let uh, the band take over. All right. Thanks, Casey. Every night when I'd see you, you were wasting away just a skiff. In the ocean too far off to save There's no faith in your heart And no words I can say Rise up and I'll take you home Rise up, I'll take you home and wherever your need, you can travel with me. Rise up, I'll take you home. Every morning I'd see you, you were still in your clothes, not a scent. In your pockets, not a glimmer of hope. You would think through your future, but you never would go.
that's not enough And you lie down to drink The whole world has left you And you've lost everything Still I will lift you And together we'll sing Rise up Wherever your needs, you can travel.